So let's focus on our story of the day. Today, as many of you have heard, the BC government talked about its three-year trial for drug decriminalization. Essentially, as we heard in the news, what it means is that starting tomorrow, adults with up to two and a half grams of drugs for personal use, including opioids, cocaine, MDMA, will not be arrested or charged. Uh, the government said that is to reduce um, the shame and stigma surrounding drug use. Uh, and well, the province says it wants to keep people from getting uh, from, from getting help. Now, today, the federal and provincial government held a joint press conference to talk about um, the change uh, of law tomorrow. They went out of their way to say that this is not drug legalization. Here is federal mental health minister, Carolyn Bennett. All activities with illegal drugs, including production, trafficking, import, and export, remain illegal. We will work closely to evaluate and monitor its implementation to ensure that this exemption continues to meet public health and public safety objectives. Now, it's important to note, in the last seven years, seven years, toxic drugs have killed almost 11,000 people here in British Columbia. It's an issue uh, that Jennifer Whiteside, the Minister of Mental Health and Addiction, has brought up many times. And she said part of what they're doing today is trying to show compassion to individuals. Take a listen. People found in possession of a small amount of certain illegal drugs for personal use will not face criminal charges, fines, or have their drugs confiscated. Instead, they will be offered information about health and social supports, local treatment, and recovery services. Instead of being treated as criminals, they will be treated with care and compassion. You know this is a big announcement when uh, the federal and provincial minister hold a press conference together today uh, before uh, things change tomorrow. Well, joining us now to talk a little bit about uh, tomorrow is Jessica Cooksey. She's the director of operations at the Last Door Recovery Society here in Vancouver. Jessica, thank you for joining us today. Thank you. First of all, your thoughts on what is transpiring tomorrow. Uh, are you uh, supportive of it or, or are there any concerns on your, uh, on your, on your mind? I am 100% supportive of anything that reduces people's um, exposure interactions with police in regards to their substance use. Mm-hmm. I do have some concerns outside of the actual dis- decriminalization policy changes. Mm-hmm. Uh, in regards to speaking to addicts uh, at uh, your recovery society, uh, have they talked about this type, this, this change, and, and whether or not they think it's the right way to go? Because they understand addiction, they know addiction, they've been around those who are addicted, dealing with substance abuse uh, issues. What have you been hearing from them? Um, I, I've been hearing things in the public and I've been hearing things from my friends, colleagues, family members and people's relationship with substances. And um, this this lands on everyone. There's substance use in every community. So there, I guess the question from, from our stakeholders is what resources and, and what accessibility and what's the plan for access to resources for for the public, say, Mm-hmm. positions, housing, employment, supports for education, all of those. We're already talking about, like, how can we increase access to those? Um, you know, and, and this isn't, this isn't, this decrim is going to um, have 
um, results not only in people who qualify for the criteria of a substance use disorder, but those recreational users who have experienced having um, criminal records for personal possession in the past and the future, and that will decrease barriers for people to reach out for help. Oh, so you think we need to go even further in regards to people's records? Well, I think that this decriminalization for for personal use will will hopefully make the, the the criminal records for for personal possession in the future extinct. So that if they're not having interactions with police, if they're not getting charged, then they do have the ability, or they do they're more likely to reach out for help. What that help looks like and how accessible that help is, we have work to do collectively mm-hmm. in this province and in, in, in this country, to you, speak candidly. Now, before we get to some of the other things you'd like to see, because I think that's part of the conversation, a very important part of it, the reality is the, the Vancouver police haven't been arresting people uh, when they have hard drugs on them, a small, a small personal use, uh, and that's been no, stated. No, I, I have heard, I have heard that, and I commend them for um, being ahead of the curve and start actioning what um, people who have been advocating for this for year over year over year, day after day, and that they have taken action to to stop arresting people for personal possession. I don't know if that's across the board, but if it is happening, I commend that action, and I hope that. Um, the, the frontline workers are, are, are continuing the hard work of, of linking people up with life-saving measures. But does well that does that if the police have already said they're not doing that, does that also tell you though that simply decriminalization won't work because we have we continue to see deaths as I said almost eleven thousand in in seven years here in British Columbia. One could also point out that if if this is continuing, the police haven't been arresting people who have small. Uh, amount of drugs on them. It also says that we need to be doing more uh, in regards to what you've already said, which is actually spending more money on health, access to education, housing. Doesn't that point to perhaps those types of services rather than less about decriminalization? Well, decriminalization is a piece of that. There are Mm -hmm. so many pieces of the matrix of recovery-oriented systems of care that are necessary to ensure all of our wellness even people without a relationship with substances who are trying to access healthcare, housing, education, employment. We know that there are challenges for every, every citizen in British Columbia. So there are key pieces that need, there needs to continue to be work on those key pieces. So, so pointing, pointing the finger at decriminalization mm-hmm. or treatment beds or medications, it's not going to be the silver bird. It all needs to be all hands on deck on this one. Uh, I had Pierre Polyev on the show last week, the Conservative Party leader, and he wasn't too happy with what British Columbia is going on this issue. He said they should be looking at Alberta, which has been focusing on more treatment, better focus on access to education better access to housing. That, that's the way to go. And, of course, more treatment beds, all those things that you're talking about. But the specific issue of decriminalization, he says, that's not, that's not the direction we should be going into. We should be looking at those other issues that you're talking about. What do you say to that argument? Um, I, I'm encouraging all governments, all policy level, continue to action the, the evidence and the research about recovery-oriented systems of care. Mm-hmm. Recovery-oriented systems of care is inclusive of harm reduction services, is inclusive of housing education, connection to self and others. So um, if we're going to roll out recovery-oriented systems of care, we need to be doing that 100% of the time. We can look to other countries. We can look to our our colleagues and our friends in in south of the border who have 
been operationalizing recovery-oriented systems of care for quite some time. Um, the month of September could be, you know, an awareness month. There's a lot of actions and, and entry points that we could utilize. I'll save, I'll save the political platforms to the politicians. So yeah. They are more well-versed on that. All I can speak to is my experience from a bed-based treatment operator. Do you like what they're doing in Alberta? So far, it looks really promising. Yeah. Um, I, anything, anything that increases access to life-saving services it, it is meaningful to me. Mm-hmm. I've worked in, in the addiction recovery field for two and a half decades, and I've met the most incredible people who go on to live purpose-driven lives, who become citizens, who help others day in, day out. So anything to help people near and dear to my heart, I'm, I'm all for. Mm-hmm. Now you have some phone numbers you wanted to, to uh, uh, let our listeners know about in regards to if those that did, did want help. What were the numbers that you wanted to provide? Yes, and I, it's not a, it's not a foolproof system, but first and foremost, anyone in the public can call 811 and speak with a health service navigator, and they can help link you up with a start of accessing services, or there's a 1-800 number for substance use and mental health services, which is 1-800-663-1441. And I want to thank you for holding space so that we could actually talk about um, where to get help as well. I really appreciate that. It's really yeah. ethical of you. And I have the number, and I will mention it again in our next segment uh, as well. Uh, Jessica, uh, thank you so much for your time today, and I look forward to having you on the show again because this is not an issue that goes away in a day or two. We, we have to continue to talk about uh, about uh, the challenges that are there for, for many British Columbians. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you.